Hi guys, it's Eddie. I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that I am part of a competition called Face of Horror. I will have the link in the description below that you can go and vote for yours truly. Uh, it would be an honor to have my horror fans vote for me to be the next Face of Horror. Let's do this together all in the name of horror. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled one good scare, huh? From the front time, bitch! Nothing like a strangulation to get the circulation going. They're coming to get you, Barbara. This has is When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Welcome back, everybody. It's day two of Eddie's 31 Days of Halloween, and I want to welcome all of you back. I'm your host, Eddie Monster, here, and uh, we've got a really good film for you guys today that we're going to be talking about, but one of the things I want to get into is one of these things that kind of frustrates me about Hollywood sometimes, and, and that's the fact that I'm always a little skeptical, okay, when I go to enter to watch a movie and they try to come out with a sequel, right? Or a prequel, so to say. Because sometimes they can never really capture the magic that was the original film. There are some exceptions, however, right? Because we saw Evil Dead 2 was fantastic. We saw Halloween 2. I mean, this is totally up to your opinion anyways but I loved Halloween Halloween 2 which came out in 1980 I loved Friday the 13th part 2 because it spawned all those Jason sequels and introduced us to Jason um, as an adult and a very creepy one and obviously the Devil's Rejects was a huge step above House of a Thousand Corpses so there have been you know exceptions to the rule right but it's risky in a way to come out with a movie and to try to do a prequel to a movie that came out 13 years before you did this one, which is the case with our film today. Now, for those of you who've seen Orphan, Orphan was about this girl named Esther who everything seems kind of perfect about her. She's kind of this, you know, little weird child, but we end up finding out that she's really a 30-something-year-old woman who has this disease that makes her look like a child, right? And we all saw the film, you know, it was great, I loved it, and uh, never thought they would ever come out with a sequel, and then for so many years, so that was back in 2009, right? Never thought they would ever come out with a sequel, they hadn't come out with a sequel, but... Now we've got our prequel. Let's check it out. What is he doing here? We found your daughter. 
She's alive. Be prepared for changes. We have a child therapist that she'll be working with. Four years is a long time. What she needs right now is her family. Esther? Sweetheart, it's mommy. Welcome home, Esther. We left it just as it was. It's lovely to be back. I miss my family very much. Our goal here is helping Esther acclimate back into life within the family unit. Sorry. I think something's going on with Esther. Is there anything you want to tell me about your time away? How's that possible? Four years ago, she was still drawing stick figures. Esther's behavior has been so erratic. Hello, Mommy. Thank you, Mommy. I know, Mommy. I did notice some inconsistencies. <clears throat> what are you getting at? To me, it felt like a performance. You are being warned from here on out that there are going to be spoilers in this article. So if you want a spoiler-free article, right, you can do so by going to moshpitsandmovies.wordpress.com. You can read the spoiler-free article that doesn't spoil anything. But if you uh, don't mind about spoilers, then continue listening right here. And here's the thing. So we're talking about Orphan First Kill and... The movie's directed by William Brent Bell, who did Brom, The Boy 2, The Boy, stuff like that. And it, it once again stars Isabel Furman as Esther, everybody's favorite 30-year-old. Uh, and the film really tells a story about how Esther is able to escape this uh, mental hospital in Estonia, uh, which is where she was before she came to the United States, because uh, she discovers... A missing child, right? She uh, figures out there's a child that's missing, and what better of a story than a child that was abducted and brought to the Soviet Union or the former Soviet Union? And uh, obviously, you know, she's back. She's able to escape, and everything looks great. You know, especially for you know our family, which is made up of Julia Stiles. You remember from Ten Things I Hate About You, uh, Russ of Sutherland, who's a rather unknown, but he was in a movie called Possessor that's on my uh, my to watch list. Uh, he plays the father, Alan Albright. Obviously, Julia Stiles plays Trisha Albright, and then Matthew Finland from My Fake Boyfriend plays the brother, Gunnar Albright. So. 
she finds this family. She pretends to be Esther because that's that's the girl that's missing. And we think, cool, you know, they're reunited. But then things start to get a little weird because she kind of screws up on, on a couple things. Um, and her psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Seeger, who's played by Samantha Walks, uh, is like, that's weird. She called, you know, this bird this, and it was really this other bird. And uh, starts telling Julia Stiles that she thinks a lot of it was a performance. So now we're wondering, shit, has Julia Stiles discovered that Esther may not be who she says she is, right? Because it's kind of the same way the original film went. Hey, this girl doesn't seem to be who she says she is, right? And we're wondering, okay, how is this going to play out? Is it going to play out exactly like the original? And then all of a sudden, they throw this screwball right at you, right? Because now this detective, right, who was the original detective on the case, uh, Detective Donnan, who's played by Hiro Kanagawa, uh, member from Godzilla, the man in the high castle, so on and so forth, he is investigating Esther, because even he thinks it's weird. Soviet, she can't really remember. She has an accent all of a sudden. Things are not matching up. So he manages to break into her room, steals a record because it has her fingerprints on it, does the whole fingerprint thing analysis, comes up, it's not Esther, right? And he's like, if you're not Esther, then who the hell are you? And we think... That Esther's about to do some damage to this detective. And then all of a sudden, Julia Stiles comes out of nowhere and blows this detective's brains away. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute here. What is going on? Right? Because this was something we, we didn't see. Right? We never saw this coming. And she looks at Esther and she goes, you know what? If you're and she dumps the detective in a in in this well or whatever it is, and we end up finding out that that's where the original Esther is lying because apparently Gunner, her brother, had killed Esther. So she kind of looks at at Esther, the new Esther, uh, and says, "Listen, if you're gonna infiltrate my family, right, and pretend to be my daughter, then you better pull it off." Because all she cares about is the fact that her husband, right, who has no idea what happened to the original Esther, thinks this is the Esther and is a lot happier. He's he's painting again. He's doing all these things. And she's like, do not screw this up. So you're going to have to pretend to be my daughter and you're going to do it right. And that is the whole twist and turn of the film. Because now it's this thing where they kind of take Esther, who was, if you remember in the original film, she's the villain, right? And she starts off this film as the villain. And all of a sudden, it's like this 180 where now she's kind of the anti-villain, right? Because she's not supposed to be, or anti-hero, I should say, excuse me, sorry anti-hero because she's not supposed to be the hero you're not supposed to be rooting for esther 
right? If you remember the original film, she's a creepy little, like, creepy chick, okay, who still looks like she's 10. And you're not supposed to be rooting for her. But all of a sudden in this film, now we are rooting for Esther, right? Because you're like, wow, Julia Stiles is really like, dude, like, she'll do anything for her son and her family. Like, what in the hell? Like, what's going on? You know, like, and all this and that. And you start to hate Julia Stiles. And then all of a sudden now it's this battle of attrition between the two, right? Julia Stiles trying to drug her food. Esther ends up giving it to uh, to her pet rat there, and he dies, and then or pet mouse, and he dies, and then she makes her a shake, and it's it's a little surprise in the shake. So it, it's these things, and it just keeps going. And then we realize that Gunner is in on it too, right? Because he kind of tells her like pretty much like "f you," I don't, you know, you're not my sister, and like you know what, I have no problem killing you either. You know, that kind of deal. So that was kind of cool. That had me glued to this film because I was saying to myself, what are they going to do in this movie that's different from the original? Because, first of all, here's the risk. You waited 13 years. Isabel Furman did this film when she was 10 years old, the original film, Orphan. Okay? A lot of things could have gone wrong. In 13 years. Okay. She could have grown up so much. That she doesn't look like a 10 year old anymore. Right. And you've got to keep that kind of. You got to keep it authentic. Right. Because this is a prequel now. So there's that element that plays into it. Right. And that's a huge risk. But thanks to makeup and all the stuff that Hollywood does and the fact that she looks still looks short as hell in the film compared to everybody else, you know, they did a pretty decent job, right? Although the CGI and, and, and a lot of the, the these parts of the film just was kind of whack. I don't know. There's this one scene where she's walking along this fire and it just looks so fake. You know what I mean? It just it couldn't look any more fake than it did. Uh, but whatever, you know, those are, those, those are things that happen. Uh, but I'm a huge stickler for a story and you'll discover that over time. I love story because, you know, you could have a slasher film and yeah, all right. Like how many times can you slice and dice people? But if it doesn't have a good story, it's just a shitty film. You know what I mean? And, and believe me, I like cheesy, shitty, shitty films as well. I have a whole avenue for that on that blog page called Cheeseball Cinema. You should check it out. But this is not the occasion for that, right? Like, we're watching horror movies to find amazing horror films. And this one actually, you know, is, you know, it's up there. It's competing, right? It's competing. And it does a pretty good job. So it's a huge risk reward factor right there for the, for the writers and the filmmaker uh, because it's a lot of risk. And it leads perfectly. At the end, right into the first film. So you can kind of, you know, imagine where it goes from there, from that point on. So big risk-reward situation here for these guys, right? And I got to say, they pulled it off. I couldn't be any more happier for them. This was an enjoyable film. I had a good time. I was eating my Reese's Pieces watching this and, and just sitting back and relaxing 
watching it on Paramount Plus, and I was like, yep, all right, let's go. Orphan first kill. So I was totally invested, you know, and it was one of those films where I was going to be like, you know, it was late at night, and I was like, man, you know, if this is kind of boring, I'll just shut it off and watch it another day. But I actually stayed up to watch the whole thing, so there you go. And I, and I don't do that very often, okay? But, yeah, this one had me. So for a final grade, I'm going to give it a B plus. Obviously, it's not better than the original. It does a good job. Uh, some of the CGI there, like I said, was a little bothersome. Whatever. Uh, we'll deal with it. But, yeah. So there you go. B plus for a final grade for Orphan First Kill. Check it out for sure. This is definitely worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. My MVP for the film is definitely, and it's going to be Isabel Furman. You know, without her, this film is, is kind of nothing. But a close second uh, would be Julia Stiles if I had to give out that award. Because Julia Stiles definitely plays a pretty good bitch in this film. So... Definitely give it a watch, and as always, I will see you guys tomorrow for day three. Stay tuned.